As a man, as a man, I stand in front of you today, and I want to thank God for the influence of godly women uh, and mamas that, that the women had in my life as a person. You know, I had a godly grandmother. My grandmother was such a godly woman, and, and, and I thank God for her. And I had a wonderful godly mama uh, that, that poured into my life. And, and I've got a godly wife that loves me, and, and man, she helps me, and she, she's there to pray for me. And I thank God for my wife. And I've got two wonderful godly daughters that I deeply love, y'all. Now they've got children. Uh, we've got four grandkids, two little boys and two little girls, and another one on the way. And, and I thank God for my daughters that serve the Lord with us here. And someone has well said that there are three things that has given our national stability in our country. And those three things someone said is the American flag, apple pie, and mamas. And man, when you think about that, the American flag is being mistreated and apples are inflated and motherhood is struggling today. And, and today, more than ever before, we need godly women and godly women and godly mothers who will nurture their children in the ways of the Lord. It has been said before that no other force in the life of a child has more influence than that child's mother. And I believe that down through the centuries, uh, the godly women and godly mothers have been the stabilizing factor factor in the shaping of our country and the history of our country. Abraham Lincoln, after he had been elected as the president of the United States, made this statement. He said, everything that I am and everything that I will be, I owe it to my mama. And boy, that's true in our life. Today is a day in our nation that we've set aside to honor the moms and the grandmothers of, of our nation. And we all know the importance and the influence of a mother. And I like to think that every mother here today desires to be the best mother they can be. And nothing can bandage a cut, nothing can dry a tear, nothing can cure a cold like the love of a mom. Can I, I, when I thought about Mother's Day today, and I started studying and digging in, I, I, went, I wrote this down in my notes. Being a mother and a wife in today's world is very complicated. I mean, when you think about it, moms and women today are pulled in a million different directions. Man, you, are, you live a complicated life. And when I thought about that, and I began to pray about it. I wanted to think about what does God's word have to say about being a woman or a godly woman? And so today, I want you to take your Bible and open it up to the epistle that Paul wrote in to, to, to Timothy or to Titus. And we're going to look there at Titus chapter 2 today. And we're going to dig in there in just a moment. So go ahead and open your Bible up to Titus. And we're going to dig in there for just a moment. And when we look there together, we begin to realize that this is an apostolic counsel that Paul is giving. It's an exhortation. It emphasizes how we are to live our life and how that we're to live our life in a godly way. And so when we think about that, as you take your Bible and you begin looking there together, you'll see that Paul is admonishing uh, the people there that they are to live their life in such a way that it will exhort other people that, that the way you live your life is going to be a motivation for other people. And man, when he gets down to chapter 2, he begins to pull us all in and he says to us, man, I want, you to, I want to get your heart. I want to get your attention. So today I, I thought, well, we'll talk about this on Mother's Day. And today the title of the message is The Pattern of a Godly Woman. So I 
I want y'all to say that with me. Are y'all ready? What is it titled? The Pattern of a Godly Woman. Now, I want you to circle the word pattern because when I begin to look at this and research it, I, I wanted to find out what does the word pattern mean? And so I, I dug in and I got some descriptions of that word. And the word pattern means a print or an impression or a form or an example, something to be imitated. And really, it literally means a model. So when you're building a pattern of something, you're building a model for that something. And so when I thought about that and I thought about men, you know what? When we think about women today and, and how that we're living in a world today that absolutely we need a pattern of good things. And boy, oh boy, do we ever need a godly model today. And I believe we got some of the best women on planet earth that attends Eden Westside Baptist Church. Can I get an amen? So what do we need to be reminded of as we dig into the word of God? So let's look there at Titus chapter 2 and verse number 7. Are y'all ready? Say amen. Let's look there together. Paul admonishes them and, and as he admonishes them in direction that's going to be given, he says in all things, in verse number 7, in how many things? All things. Showing yourself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptionness and gravity and sincerity. Now if you'll notice in the Bible, in verse number uh, 7 of chapter 2, Paul says not in some things, but in all things. That you are to show yourself a pattern. That is, you are to be a model. You are to be an influencer. You are, you are to be a person that people can look at it because they look at your life and because they examine your life, that as they follow your pattern, your model, your, as they imitate you, that you would guide them and direct them and you would lead them in the life that's going to bring a good fruit of their life. That they're going to be people that when they follow your example, uh, that, that they, will, they will follow the example that's going to bring abundance in their life. They're going to bring, it's going to bring fulfillment in their life. When I look in the world today, there's never been a time that I believe is more important than the day we live in that when we think about godly women, we, when we focus our mind on mothers and grandmothers, we're living in a world today that certainly godly women need to influence those around them. And that's what happened to my life. My mom, my grandmother influenced me. So when I begin to think about that, I wrote down in point number one, and I hope you'll join with me as we look there. If we're going to be a good model, we've got to mirror the image that we want to model. We've got to mirror the image. Now, I think when we look around our world today that there's a lot of things that are being mirrored that are not godly. There's a lot of things that we see in our world today that certainly would not reflect who Jesus is. And so when I begin to study this and look into it, I believe that the best object lesson for teaching in the presentation of our own lives is not what we expect of others, but what we project of ourselves. And we need godly women projecting four things, what I find in the scripture here, as you'll open your Bible. First of all, in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 3, you'll see that Titus is being instructed here that the aged women, everybody let's say that together, what? The aged women. Now, I don't want you to leave here and say, Brother Jackie, you call me an old woman. I did not do that, okay? But the Bible says that aged women likewise, that they be in the behavior as, a, as becoming holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, but they are to be teachers of what, everybody? Good things. Now, when you look at that scripture, you begin to realize that in that verse by itself, Paul begins to say to the older women that you are to mirror four things according to this scripture. The first thing that Paul says that you are to mirror is how you walk in holiness. 
You'll notice there in the scripture, he begins to say that age women, their behavior ought to be behavior of holiness. And what that means is they ought to be reverent, they ought to be devout, they ought to be different and set apart in purity and behavior. And they, they are to live more and move about in the spirit of God. That is women that are aged women. Man, man, they ought to be the people. They ought to be the examples, the model, that when people look at you, they say, because they look at your life, man, that woman is a godly woman. That woman, she, she mirrors holiness in her life. Uh, she's devout. She, she knows how to handle herself. Uh, she, she is a person that, that when you look at her life, she moves about and she expresses herself in the spirit of holiness pious and decency and she knows how to dress and she knows how to talk and she knows how to present herself. Uh, by the way, just write this down. She is a lady. She's a godly lady. It seems as if in the world today that we're missing that a little bit. Where are the godly ladies? Where are the godly women? Where's the women that project holiness to those that are watching? What Paul is saying is that, that as a woman, you get the opportunity to do that. You get the opportunity to mirror to those around you, those women, those girls, those granddaughters. You get to mirror holiness to them. And then he tells us a second thing that all the older women ought to mirror. They ought to mirror truthfulness. They, they ought to be truthful. And I like what he says in, in that verse. He says that they ought to show themselves and behave themselves not being false accusers. If you'll notice in verse number seven, and what that means is, you may want to remember this, they're not supposed to be slanderers or talebearers, or are you ready? They're not supposed to gossip. They're not supposed to talk about people. Uh, they're, they're not to, supposed to spread rumors. They're not to stir up mischief, mischief and, and disturbance. Uh, this is such a terrible sin that the devil himself is called the slanderer. Somebody said this morning, they said, Brother Jackie, uh, do you know why the devil is so miserable and why, why he's so terrible? And, and I said, no. He said, because he didn't have a mama. And, and I thought about that and I thought, wow, that's true. Uh, you know, when you think about this, you're, you're supposed to walk in truthfulness if you want to mirror what God is all about because he is truth. Can I get an amen? And then, and then the third thing is you are to walk in moderation. Now, the Bible says in that verse that you're not supposed to be given to much wine. And some of you are going, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You finally said we could drink a little beer or something or something. No, 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 look at me. We, we don't teach, we don't teach, we believe in, we believe in uh, that we don't, we don't drink any alcohol here. And so we don't teach a little wine is okay. But what that means is it's not just talking about a little alcohol or a little wine because even in the context of the scripture, uh, there are two words that describe wine in the New Testament. And when you look there together, this particular passage of scripture that we're talking about means that it has not moved in itself. It means it's not fermented. So what that means is, it's just basically grape juice. But what he's saying is this, it's the, more the concept and the thought than it is just the, the, the words that are on the page. What it means is you're just supposed to act in moderation. You're not supposed to be a person that, that is controlled by anything. Uh, no substance abuse. You don't, you don't let something control your life. You're, you're, you're not losing control of your life, but rather you are a person that knows how to, watch this, you know how to handle life. 
You, you know, you don't let your phone control. You don't let Facebook control. You don't let, you don't let things control. You don't let things get a hold of you. And what he's saying is, you know how to control your life. So you want to mirror that. And then the fourth thing is this, you are to walk in instruction. You're to walk in instruction. The Bible says that the godly older women are supposed to teach the younger women. They're supposed to uh, teach, be teachers of good things, not bad things, but good things. And what, what that saying is, is that when young women look at your life as an older woman, they're supposed, you're supposed to teach them what a good wife is and what a good mother is and what a good person is and how that they are to walk in holiness and how, how that they are to make sure that they're walking in truthfulness and they're, 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 they're controlling their life. They're not losing control of their life. So what he's saying is you are to mirror this to your children or to the, the older women or to mirror it to the younger women. When I thought about that, I thought about my grandmother who mirrored that to my mom and how that my mom mirrored that to us and how that my wife mirrors that to my daughters. And, and we're able to see that reflection of who that, that they're supposed to be in the way they live their life. I remember as a little boy, I, I would go to my, my grandmother's house and, and she lived in a very simple house. She was poor. She didn't have anything. And, and I would go up to her house, a little simple four-room house, and I'd walk walk in and, and I'd, I'd be looking for my grandmother. She'd be sitting in this one old chair and she had those round glasses, the, those old-fashioned round glasses. And she, she'd have those glasses on and she'd be sitting there reading her Bible. And I thought, man, does she ever do anything but that? She'd read her Bible all the time. And she would, she would model to me. She would model to me, how, how do you live your life? These are the good things these are the good things that's going to produce good results in you. And girls and women, listen to me. That's what we need in our land today. We need older women modeling, mirroring what walking with Jesus is all about. We need older women mirroring how that, that living their life in truthfulness is a blessed life and how that they're supposed to handle their life and they're supposed to instruct the younger women. And man, I, I just believe that we need that in our land today. Can I get an amen? We got women modeling the wrong stuff. We got women that are demonstrating the wrong things, but not you. You're a godly woman, and you're mirroring the things that's going to make a huge difference in the life of these teenage girls and these young girls. And that's what Paul is saying is you got to mirror the image. And, and then you notice this that he says not only are you to mirror it, but you are to mentor the young. You're to mentor them. You're supposed to be the, the, the women, uh, the young women supposed to look up to you and you're supposed to mirror how that you are to live their, your life and they're supposed to follow your example. And I like this because mentoring the young is something that we need to do. Amen. The Bible says in verse number four of Titus chapter two, it says, that they may teach the what? Young women. Underline that in your Bible. They're to teach the young women how to be sober. There you're saying, see, Brother Jackie, that given much wine really is there. No, that's not what it means. I'll tell you about that in a minute. You're, you're to teach the younger women how to be sober and how to love their husbands. Are you with me? And, and you're supposed to teach them how to love their children. All right? So when I looked at that, I was thinking... Man, what does that mean? 
And so I want to talk to you for just a minute about what does that mean that you're to teach or mentor the younger women. And he gives you three things. The first thing that we got to teach the young women how to have what? Sanity. In other words, I'm going to, as you model, sanity. Now, what does that mean? Don't, act, don't teach them how to act the fool. Don't teach them how to be crazy women. You, what that word sober means is, is, is that you are to have a settled mind. You are to be sober in your thinking. In other words, what that means is you are supposed to think right. You're supposed to have sober thinking, clarity in your mind. So what he's saying is the older women ought to teach the younger women how to have sanity. Don't act crazy. Don't talk crazy. Don't, don't do crazy things. Don't let your emotions rule you. You're supposed to be a person that knows how to control yourself. You don't lose control. When everybody else around you is losing their mind, you don't. Because you're a sober-minded person. And what he's saying is the older women are to teach the younger women how to have a sober mind as they look at how you respond to life. You don't just say, well, this is what it says. No, you say to them, watch how I do this. Watch, I'm going to teach you how to have a good mind. I'm going to teach you how to think right. And react right. And that's what that means. And then it says you are to teach them how to love their husbands. Now watch this. Teach the young women, say this with me everybody, how to love their husband as you model. Y'all ain't helping me with this a lot. As you model loving your own husband. Now remember what I'm about to tell you. Love your husband. Not everybody else's husband. Keep your hands off everybody else's husband. Don't be loving on everybody else's husband. Love your own husband. What that means is when the younger women watch you, and as they watch you love your husband, you're teaching them how to love their husband. You're teaching them how to be a good wife to the husband. And the Bible says that you are to teach them how to love their husband. You know, when I look at my life, my wife loves me. She really does. I know it's hard for you to believe, but she does. And my daughters have all of our lives saw my wife love me the way she loves me. And there's been many times that my girls, I mean, they, they've been influenced by the way my wife responds to me. And, and how that she honors me. She don't, she don't cut me down. She don't, she, don't, she don't say negative things to me in front of our kids. She doesn't do that. She doesn't, she doesn't scream at me in front of our, when our kids were little. We didn't do that. And we didn't, she didn't, she, she, she says, she said good things to me in front of our daughters. Now, there may be some things that her eyes said something entirely different. But she, she taught my daughters, this is how you love your husband. This is how you respect your husband. This is how you treat your husband. And, and my, my wife taught our daughters how to do that. 
And you know what? When you think about godly women, that's what you're to do, women. You're, these girls are watching y'all. I can't tell you this. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Every time there's a couple going to get married in our church and they come in and they go, brother, you know, they come in. Everybody comes in wants to get married. They got these fluttery eyes. Oh, I'm just so in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. Man, I want to marry him, and I want to marry her, and oh my gosh, I can't wait, yay, yay, yay. And I'm thinking, you're in for a ride, buddy. It's going to be tough for you. But, you know, it's just going to be one of those things. And they come in, and they talk to me, and not one of the couples that's ever come in sat in my office said, hey, you know what, Brother Jackie, we want to get married so we can hate each other. We want to get married so we can be miserable at our house. Nobody's ever said that. Everybody's come in and said, oh, we don't want to get married. It's going to be yada, 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 yada. Woo-hoo! It's going to be a blast. And I always say this to them. Name me three couples you want your marriage to be just like. If you, y'all know a lot of married people. You know a lot of married people, a lot of married couples. So name me three you want your marriage to be just like. You know what they do? They go, God, we don't know three. We, we can't name three. And I go, of all the married people you know, you can't name me three you want your marriage to be like? And they go, no, we can't. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. You know why they can't? Because they're seeing the wrong model. They're seeing fighting and fussing and not loving each other at home. And they don't know how to do that. Guys, I can't wait to get all these couples in my office and they go, and I go, name me three couples you want your marriage to be like and they start popping off. I go, now I want to be like this one, that one, that one, that one. You know what? That's what we do. We mentor people for success. And, And so we teach the young women how to love their husband as they watch you love your husband. Do you not understand this, y'all? You're setting your children up for success or failure by what they see in the home. And if they see a disaster in the home, and they don't, you don't show them how to respect and love your husband or your wife, then you're messing this thing up. So, so what he says is, older women teach your younger women how to love their husband, but he doesn't stop there. He says, you know what? Teach the young women how to love their children as you model loving your kids. You know what? When you think about that, that's what happens. You you show the people under you how to love your kids. Man, we're living in a world today where people don't know how to love their kids. Uh, We we really are. Now, now just kind of thinking about this for a minute. My mama loved me, y'all. She loved me. My mama loved me. She, 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 She absolutely loved me. But, but listen, she didn't give me everything I wanted. She didn't, she, you know, she, she loved me, but she also knew how to discipline me. And th- there were times that she, she would do things. I'd be going, man, my mama don't love me, but she did. My mama was, was the woman that would say to me, if they, if, if they had said this in this day society, there'd be a lawsuit. You know what my mama did? My mama would make me go out and choose the, the weapon that she was going to inflict pain on me with. Like she would say things like this, go get a switch. Go get a switch. Make me go get the thing she's about to beat me with. March me out. I'd be walking out the house going, okay, mom, we're going to switch. I'd go get a little bitty switch. I'd take it back in the house thinking, this is going to work. No, boy, go get enough. That ain't big enough. 
Before long, I was cutting down trees for her to whoop me with. I'm thinking, oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? But she loved me. I remember I was a little bitty boy, man. Little bitty boy. And I went to, she took me to the swap shop, shop in Moody, Alabama. You, y'all don't know what the swap shop in Moody, Alabama is. The swap shop in Moody, Alabama was the place to go. I walked into the swap shop in Moody, Alabama, and I'm telling you, God is my witness, there was a red rubber ball that was calling my name. When I walked in, it said, I'm yours. I'm yours. And I was thinking, oh my gosh. I, because when I was a kid, I was either dribbling a ball, throwing a ball, bouncing a ball, holding a ball. I had to have a ball. And I walked in, and I, I, that rubber ball was a little bitty red rubber ball. The thing probably didn't cost a quarter. And I said, get me that ball. She said, what did you say? I was a little bitty thing. I said, I, get me that ball. Puh. <laughs> I, she said, boy, you don't talk to me like that. You don't tell me to get you nothing. You ask me to get you something. This is what she said. You ain't getting that ball. Oh, yes, I am. I'm getting the ball. Man, I went to screaming, crying, having a fit. I mean, I had, are y'all looking at me? I had a fit. I was a little old bitty boy. Man, I had a fit. I, I could just, God, I had to have that ball. And, and I'm telling you, she would not buy me that red rubber ball. I'm just telling you, it's hurting me right now, y'all. I didn't get a red rubber ball. But I got a, well, I'll move on. It was just, she beat me half to death on that red rubber ball, man. But she didn't give me everything. She taught me, no, you don't disrespect me. I, you don't disrespect, my mama taught me stuff, y'all. I was a little old boy. I'm gonna tell you something. Don't think no less of me, I'm sorry. I stole some grapes. I went in Jimmy Moore's grocery store in Leeds, Alabama, shopping, grocery shopping with my mama. I'm walking down the produce line. Grapes was hanging over there. I'm walking by. Mama ain't looking. I get a grape. Put it in my mouth. Eat the grape. I'm thinking that was the best grape I ever ate in my life. It was a stoled grape. So Mama, I let her go on, y'all. I let Mama go on. She's pushing the buggy. Jimmy Moore grocery store. She's pushing the buggy. And I'm watching her. She's going down the aisle. I ain't leaving the produce aisle. I'm staying in the produce aisle. I'm just walking by. I'm walking back by. I'm looking at Mama. She's over there. I'm eating grapes. I mean, I'm, I'm like a possum. I'm eating grapes, man. My belly's swelling up. I'm eating grapes. I walk by, pop one open, put it in my mouth, and looked out the corner of my eye, and Mama was standing there. She come running toward me with that buggy and said, you eating grapes? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. You eating grapes? Open your mouth, boy. Hey, grapes all plugged up in my mouth. She said, come with me, son. Come with me. She takes me to the owner of the grocery store. 
puts me in front of him and says, tell Mr. Jimmy what you've been doing. Tell him you've been stealing his grapes. God, I'm going to tell you something. I just soon stood before God at that moment. I had to tell the man. I had to tell the man. I've been stealing your grapes, man. Now, them grapes didn't mean a whole lot to them, I'm sure. But my mama taught me something. Son, don't steal grapes. You know, she taught me that when I was little. Probably kept me out of a lot of trouble when I got older. You don't steal nothing. Son, you don't disrespect me. When you want something, you ask for it. You don't demand it. You, you want a red rubber ball? I don't buy you that ball, but you ain't getting it because you disrespected me. You know, what I'm telling you is women, we, we, older women, you got to teach younger women how to love their kids, not just give them everything they want. Or you you got to teach them how to love, but you got to be a woman that knows how to instruct your kids. Because we're living in a world today, people don't know how to discipline their kids. They don't know how to love their kids. Oh, there's times when you can get them a little red rubber ball, but there's times you have to teach them you don't disrespect people. There's times when, hey, you know what? You might buy them some grapes at the grocery store, but they don't need to steal them. My mama taught me that stuff. My grandmother taught me that stuff. And older women ought to teach younger women how to love their kids as they model that in front of them. Can I get an amen? All right, now, not only do you need to teach the kid, women how to have sanity as you have sanity and how to love your husband and how to love your kids, but there's something else. Not only do you need to mirror uh, this image and not only do you need to mentor the young, but you ought to know how to manage your home. You got to know how to manage your home. And guys, I'm going to tell you, in our world today, our women, the women of our home, man, they're pulled in a million different directions. But I'm going to tell you, there's something special about a home when a mom is there and a wife is there. Being a mom and being a wife, and I understand a lot of people work, and I understand all that, but guys, there is a way to manage your home. In Titus chapter 2 and verse number 5, it says, Be discreet, chase keepers at home. Keepers at home. Good, obedient to your husbands. But that the word of God be not blasphemed. Do you know this is the only place in the Bible where God's word says that the word of God can be blasphemed by how we handle our homes. And notice whose category it's under, the women. Because there's a world out there watching us, and when we, when we don't know how to do it right, they laugh at God. They go, you know what, there is no God. You know, this word of God is nothing. But what he's saying is you got to know how to be a keeper at home. And the word keeper means to, to guard, to wrap, to, to make sure it's safe. And when I think about that, there's two things that come to my mind. And the first one is this. you got to manage your home with kindness. Kindness. You know, you got to be a kind person. Uh, when you look at the virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31... One of, the, one of the major league deals that rises to the top about this woman is found in verse 26 and says, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and when she speaks with her tongue, there's a law of kindness. You, you know what that means? It means she has a kind speech. She, she, she's not getting crazy. She's not, she's, not, she's not 
just flying off the handle. She has a law of kindness. My mama had that. She, she, when she spoke, there was a law, but it wasn't, she didn't condemn me or, or do it, but she, when she spoke, there was a law that she spoke, but she spoke it with kindness. And when she spoke it, I knew that she meant what she said. And when I think about that, you see, I'm a firm believer that what's in here will come up out here. And if you're angry in here and you're bitter in here and you're mean in here, all that's going to come up in your mouth. And when you speak, you won't speak words that are kind, but you'll speak words that are hostile and mean and be very vindictive. And so what you've got to know is you've got to manage your house with kindness. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that. There's times when I'll get you get crazy, man. I'm one of those people, you know, I, I don't have a lot of patience and all that kind of stuff. And there's times when Denise will do something or, I, you know, and man, I just want to fight. We're going to fight. And she, I'll just go, y'all you know, don't do that. Y'all y'all looking at me like that for? There's times when preachers, preachers and preachers' wives have conflict sometimes. Sometimes there'll be conflict, and she'll just say, I love you. What the heck? I'm going to fight. You, you're, you're, man, I'm so proud of you. No, don't tell me that. I'm going to fight. I love you. I'm not fighting with you. How do you fight with somebody that don't fight? How do you fight with somebody that when you want to fight with them, they tell you they love you? Instead of getting mean at me, she knows how to, you know, the hair come up on the back of my neck. She knows how to go, simmer down, buddy. It'll be all right. She knows how to distribute kindness. Kindness. You can do that. Manage your home with kindness. Don't fly off the handle. Don't get crazy. Don't do that. Manage your home with kindness. And then secondly, manage your home as a ministry. You know, I look at our life and how my mom and I remember when I was a little boy, my mom just always said good things to me. And I was a little old bitty boy, man, I was like six years old, and she put a suit and tie on me. I was a little ugly kid. She put, y'all know what you're thinking, you ain't got much better since you got older. But, but she put a suit and tie on me when I was about six, picked me up, set me on a piano stool, fluffed my suit and tie, had a little camera, stepped back, took a snapshot of me, click. That's my preacher boy. Spoke that into my life when I was about six years old. I didn't have a clue that. But see, she taught me what the Bible was all about. Taught me how to live my life as a godly man. Taught me some structure in my life. And she absolutely managed our home as a ministry. Now, she didn't beat me down with the Bible. She didn't, she didn't make religion all about my life, but she modeled ministry in front of me as a young man. You can do that. Never can tell. One of your little kids may be taking my place. You know, you model what God, what you want. And in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14, he says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the home. Guide the home. 
There's no greater ministry in this world than the mom's ministry. There's no greater calling in this world than a mama pouring into the life of her kids. You know, there's one thing to teach them, ABC 1, 2, 3, but it's another thing to teach them, John 3, 16, and how that God loves them. My wife keeps our grandkids, and they, they learn Scripture, and I walk in, they sing in this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm thinking, Father Abraham, they sing in that stuff, little old bitty kids. But you know what? Modeling that in front of them, making the home a ministry. See, so many times, this is what people do, y'all. You, you don't make your home a ministry and your kids grow up, and, and then when they get about 15 years old, you bring them over here to our student pastor going, fix that idiot. <laughs> do something with that kid. You done messed them up for 15 years. Can't nobody wave a magic wand over them. Don't waste your time. Make your home your ministry. And when you do that, you'll see God do great things. So I wrote the bottom line, which I think is a good one. And it goes like this. The pattern always represents the original, doesn't it? The pattern always represents the original. When I, when I read, wrote that down, I thought, well, I, I wonder if I'm going to think that makes sense. But it does, y'all. The pattern always represents the original. So when I thought about that, I thought, well, there's no better picture than what God's wanting to do in the life of women, the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. But I did use a different translation. So I want you guys to lean in and listen to me. And this is what it says. If you can find a truly a good wife, she's worth more than precious gems. Her husband can trust her. She'll richly satisfy his needs. She won't hinder him, but she'll help him all her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it, and she buys imported foods brought by a ship from distant ports. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plans the day's work for her servant girls. She goes out to inspect a field, and she buys it with her own hands. She plants a vineyard. She's energetic. She's a hard worker. She watches for bargains. She works far into the night. She sows for the poor and generously helps those in need. And she has no fear of winter for her household, for she's made warm clothes for them all. She's also up posters and the finest tapestry. And her own clothing is beautifully made, a purple gown of pure linen. And her husband is well known. For he sits in the council chamber with other leaders of the city and she makes belted linen garments to sell to the merchants. She's a woman of strength and dignity. She has no fear of old age. When she speaks, her words are wise and kindness is a rule for everything she says. She watches carefully all that goes on throughout her household. She's never lazy. Her children stand and Bless her. So does her husband. He praises her with these words. There's a lot of fine women in this world, but you're the best one ever. You know what she's saying? He's going, hey, girl. Hey, girl. There's a lot of fish in the sea, but I got the keeper. 
There, there's a lot of women in this world, but you know what? You're the cherry on top. Hey, girl, listen. You my prime rib. You what makes me complete, girl. And her daughters and her kids go, man, my mom is the top. And her husband goes, Phew, va, va, boom, girl. Oh, Lord, you something. You, you're a catch. And guess what? All of that is a lot of work. But when it's all said and done, don't you want your kids to say that about you? Don't you want your husband to go, man, she's the best. She's the best. When you're a godly woman and you do it godly right, you commit your life to, to the Lord and you mirror the image and you model and you mentor, that's what's going to happen to you. And I'll tell you what, someone is well said. Tis one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Your family matters. Your daughters matter. Your sons matter. Your husband matters. You matter. So happy Mother's Day. Be a pattern of a godly woman. You may be here today and you go, Brother Jackie, I need to start doing that. I need to start by giving Jesus my heart. Well, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. You may be here and want to join the church today. Today would be a good day to do that. Or maybe you need to come to the altar and say to God, God, you know what? I want to start today doing my life the right way. Our ministers are going to come and they're going to meet you at the altar. And we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And today is your day, ladies. Today is your day, men, to make a decision for Jesus. Will you come as we all stand and as we sing together today? Let's do that.